If you haven't already, opened your Bibles, please, to Psalm 138. Psalm 138, and we'll seek to answer the question today, why we can give thanks always. That no matter the circumstances, why we can give thanks. We teach our children to say thank you. Why? To be polite, courteous, kind, respectful. Robert Fulgham in his story, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, says in there that we should say please and thank you. It's a simple action. It's a reaction. Leon Morris said, if we don't give thanks quickly, then we usually don't do so at all. But more so, what's the difference between saying thank you and being thankful? Thankfulness is a mindset. It's a posture. It's unselfishness. It's recognizing what others have done. So it takes humility, not to mention kindness. It's just what you're supposed to say, right? Somebody gives you something, you say thank you. That's what you do because you're a decent person. But thankfulness, that's a whole other story. That's a state of your mind, a condition of your heart. It's an abiding understanding. It's more than a simple action. It is a state of your heart. And so when we consider our relationship with God, I'm challenging us today to move beyond just simply saying thank you. Not just to say our prayers, God, thank you for our food. God, thank you for giving us a good day. Thank you for giving us a house to live in. Thank you for taking care of our needs. But in the trials, in the pain, in the hurt, in the brokenness, when we don't get what we expected, to have a heart of thankfulness. And that is based on our relationship with God. So it's more than just being polite. It's more than just a simple reaction. It's humility. It's mindset. It's character. So that's our goal today, to move beyond just saying thank you, to consider being thankful, to move from simple action to a state of the heart. And it comes from a proper understanding of who God is and what God does. And that's what we're going to see in Psalm 138. If you're to read in the Psalms, of the 150 different Psalms, there are over 20 of them classified as songs of thanksgiving. Some of them are community thanksgiving. It's a group. Some of them are individual thanksgiving. It's one person giving thanks. But what we find here is one Psalm that captures both who God is, His character, and what God does that tells us why we can give thanks. Now, before we get there, though, I want us to look at our Scripture memory verse for the month. So that Scripture memory verse of the month is on the top of your outlines, and it's 1 Corinthians 16, 14. And it's a simple one, so we can all memorize this one if you can remember, remember where it's at, right? So let's say it together. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Do everything in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. 
I teased last week that there's more syllables in the reference than there is in the verse, right? 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. That our mindfulness, even the way we give thanks, when we give thanks, knowing we should give thanks, all of it comes from doing everything in love. So now as we turn to our key passage of Scripture, if you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, would you do so? And we're going to read Psalm 138 in its entirety, which is just eight verses. You can stand for that if you're able. In my NIV, it says, I praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple, and I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord. When they hear the words of your mouth, may they sing of the ways of the Lord. For glory of the Lord is great. Verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Let's pray. God, our Father, that is our prayer. That whole psalm we can repeat as we're going to study in the moments ahead. But that summary statement, do not abandon the works of your hands. That as you have began a good work in me, you will carry it on to completion until the day Christ Jesus returns to take me from this sinful and broken world into eternal home in heaven. So God, we come before you today and we pray that as we study, your spirit would speak to us and move us to thankfulness. No matter what our circumstance, no matter our pain, no matter our brokenness, no matter our expectations that have not been met, that we would see your goodness and love for us and be able to praise you and thank you. We ask this in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We can give thanks always. The first thing on your outline says that we can give thanks because of God's character. Because of God's character. Look at what it says there in verse 1. He says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart before the gods. And if your Bible's like mine, it's a little G God and it has parentheses around it. Quote marks. I will sing of your praise. One commentator says, we praise God for who he is, his character, his holiness, his exaltation. And he said that we worship God for what he does, his providence, his loving kindness, his goodness, and his power. C.H. Spurgeon said, we need a broken heart to mourn our sins, but a whole heart to praise the Lord's perfection. What does it say there? I praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. You know what it's like when you hold a little bit back, when you don't let everything out, when you're saying, I'm fine, how are you? And you don't even really mean it. But you know the feeling of exultation when somebody surprises you and you're wholehearted in your response. And what it says here in Psalm 138, the psalmist writes, and it says of David, we'll talk about that more in a moment, 
I praise you, O Lord, that's O Lord God, capital O, capital R, capital D, with all my heart. And he even says, I'll praise you before all the other gods. No other gods with a little g are really gods. They're man-made. They're imaginary. But you are the one true God. Now move on to verse 2. Verse 2 is where it gets a little bit interesting here. Pardon me, my stuff from last week fell out. So verse 2, it says, I will bow down toward your temple. That's where it gets a little interesting because biblical scholars would say, hey, wait a second. If David wrote this psalm and the temple wasn't yet constructed, how would he bow down towards the temple? So maybe somebody else wrote this song and just said it was of David later. Therefore, can we trust it? Or maybe David knew there was a temple coming, and he's talking about the temple as the place of God's presence, referring back to the temple in previous history of his nation. One way or the other, we follow what it says. It's still a psalm. It's still in the Bible. If David wrote it, if somebody else wrote it, it's still God's truth. Let's go down. I will bow down towards your temple and praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. We find two sub-points there of why we can praise God. The first one is God's love is unfailing. God's love is unfailing. We give thanks because of God's character. God's love is unfailing. Look right there in the middle. It says, for your love and your faithfulness in my NIV. For your love and your faithfulness. Your Bible may read differently than that, that your Bible may, uh, where are my other words there, your steadfast love and your faithfulness in the ESV, your constant love and your truth in the CSB, your loving kindness and your truth in the King James and the NASB. So let's get to the words behind that in Hebrew. The first word there, love, is translated love or loving kindness or covenant love is chesed. And that's the most common word used of God's love in the Old Testament. And that's the love that he has with his people Israel, a covenant love in which he promised, I'm going to be your God and you will be my people and I will bless you among all nations of the earth so that you might be a blessing to all the nations. That's the love he's talking about there. So there are two reasons he praises him, your love and your faithfulness. Now that one's interesting. I love that word, and I see Miss Tommy Cook back there because that word in Hebrew is emet, her husband's name. Emet, and emet means truth, and if you know Emmett Cook, you know he's a man of truth. He was a godly man, and I miss Emmett, and I'm sure if you know him, you miss him too. But emet, translated faithfulness there, look how else it was translated. Truth, your faithfulness. Why would the word emmet be translated most often truth, but sometimes faithfulness? Well, think about what truth is. You can depend on the truth. It's always the same. It never changes. It is the truth. Capital T, capital H, capital E. The truth, right? You can always count on it. God's love for us is unfailing. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. You can just write that down. It says, and he, God, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, that's that word, and faithfulness, that's that word, chesed and emmet, maintaining love, that's that word, 
Hesed. To the thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of their parents of the third and fourth generation. God has a love that is faithful. That's the first reason we give thanks because of God's character. Because his love is unfailing. The second reason is that God's truth is unconquerable. I know that's a big, long, scary word and not a word you use very often. And some of us, uh, well, it's written on the board so you know how to spell it or on the screen, right? Because I don't think I could spell unconquerable without spell check. But I couldn't think of a better word, right? Because if it is the truth and if it is always dependable and always faithful because it's God's word to us, then it can't be conquered. It can't be beaten. The psalmist here, David, is talking about like he's in a battle. And so I said, unconquerable. That's the best word I can use there. It can never be defeated. It can never be overcome because that is God's word to us. And God's truth, God's love, those things that make him who he is, his character then, that flows out in what he does. You've got a question there, however. What do I need of God's character today? In your life today, do you need God's love? Do you need God's truth? Or you need some of both? Or maybe there's other character qualities of God that you know from your study. This is what I need of God today because I am hurting or I am struggling or I have these questions and I need to give thanks. God wants us to know him. He gives us his word that we can read it, that we can listen to it, that we can encounter it. And as we do, it changes us because we know him, who he is and what he'll do. So our first reason to give thanks for God is because of his character. The second major category is we give thanks because of God's works, because of God's works, because of who he is, he does what he does. And the first of those works is summarized in the last two phrases of verse 2. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Your word and your name. Your solemn decree and your fame. What in the world does that mean? It means that God, because of who he is, has lifted up his name and his word. Your answer there is that God keeps his promises. That God keeps his promises. That's the first work that he does. When it says he's exalted his word and his name, that means he's lifted it up. That means you can always depend on it. That means when he says it, it will happen. You can count on it. The first thing God does for us is keep his promises. If you're struggling, if you're heartbroken, if thankfulness is a challenge for you, I would challenge you to go to God's word and read God's word and ask him to speak truth to you from his promises, not the promises of this preacher, not the promises of your own mind, not your hopes or dreams or wishes or aspirations or expectations, but God's truth. So that God's truth, which is always faithful and unchanging, 
unconquerable will speak to you. God keeps his promises. Your question there asks you, how have I experienced God as trustworthy? Because if God keeps his promises, he must be trustworthy. So hopefully you have testimony from your life where you can say, God is trustworthy. I found his promise when I was dealing with an issue, when I was challenged. I held on to his promise And then he answered based on his promise. And I saw God's character as trustworthy, that he said what he would say, and he did what he said he would do, that God is trustworthy. Because God is loving and truthful, and because he keeps his promises, we move on to verse 3. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted, mine NIV says, when I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. Your second point there is that God answers my prayers. When I called, He answered me. The psalmist is saying, I called to God in prayer, and God answered me. Now, he gives no explanation here. If you want some explanation, read the rest of the book of Psalms, right? Read all the other Psalms where it says, of David. Because you have recorded again and again and again and again, countless times, where David said, here was the situation, here's how I called to God, and here's how I answered. And you know what? So many times, it may not be answered in Psalms, but you can read in the other books that talk about David's life in the Old Testament, and you see where God God answered his prayers. Look at the footnotes in your Bible. Read those cross-references. Do some study for yourself. You'll be amazed at God's faithfulness that when we call, he answers. Isaiah 65, 24 says of God, before they call, I will answer. And while they were still speaking, I will hear. That's God. John 15, 17, Jesus says, If you abide in my words and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. God answers our prayers. He hears us. Because He loves us, because He is truth, He answers our prayers. I don't know about you, but for me, the result of answered prayers is strength and faith, which leads to my question there. When has my faith been strengthened? When have you seen God answer a prayer in your life? The life of someone you were praying for. Or you've heard testimony of an answered prayer of someone else. Or you've seen it in Scripture where a person in Scripture prayed. And then you see it later that God answered. And these things strengthen our faith because we see, aha, God is a God of truth. God is a God of love. He does keep His promises. He does hear and He does answer my prayers. That should strengthen our faith above all things. What was that? Verse 3, when I called, you answered me. And look at the results of him answering. You made me bold and stout-hearted. I love that. That's your third point there of what God does. That God emboldens me. God emboldens me. He made me bold. He gave me courage. In the midst of the circumstances I was facing, I was emboldened. You think about it, friends. Adversity, though none of us like adversity, adversity produces strength. 
Adversity produces strength. That's tweet-worthy right there. When you fight against something, you have to get stronger. When you are challenged by something you don't understand, you have to grow in knowledge and wisdom. And that adversity within you produces strength. The strength of character that you didn't know you had, because if you're a believer in Jesus, God is at work within you. By His Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is coming out to give you the strength you didn't know you have because you didn't have it. It's from Jesus in you. Giving you the wisdom you didn't know you had because you didn't have it. It's with Jesus within you. And encouraging you because the Holy Spirit is at work. Challenging you. Strengthening you. Emboldening you. We give thanks to God because of His works. He produces strength in us. Your question there is how has my adversity produced strength? Where has the adversity in your life produced strength in you? Can you look back and give testimony and say, here's a time where I was challenged and I didn't know how this was going to happen and God answered. You can look back and say, here's a time when I didn't know how I would overcome this, but somehow God did it in me or the circumstances changed and I'm strengthened I'm filled with faith. I'm emboldened with God's power because I see what God has done in me. We give thanks to God because of his works. We see him at work within us. We see his power. God keeps his promises. God answers his prayer. God emboldens me. What's the fourth one? God knows the humble. God knows the humble. Now, verses 4 and 5, I didn't include in my outline. We'll read them again, and then I'll explain why I didn't include them in my outline. Notice what he says there. It's a prayer. It says, May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear of the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways uh, of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Now, this is a prayer request of expectation, but he's not reporting what God has done. He's reporting what the kings will do when they see God's character and God's action. So for the purpose of my outline, I left it out. So hopefully that explains that. But look at verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. We've got to take a little time out and think about that one. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's something that happens within us when we're humble in relation to thankfulness. Pastor Stephen Furtick said it this way. He says, gratitude most naturally flows from the humble heart. Pride presumes or overlooks God's blessings, but gratitude flows from a humble heart. If you have a thankfulness problem, You have a pride problem. You can't be grateful for something you feel entitled to. God desires humility. And I believe humility is the chief virtue. Because when you are humble, then you're open to learn about all things from all people in all positions. You're not standing back with your arms folded thinking you've got it figured out or mad at the world because it didn't go your way like so many of us so often do. It doesn't mean you're a doormat being walked on. 
It means that you have meekness, long-suffering, because you know that God's covenant love won't fail you, and He's just not done yet. And whatever He's working in you and the circumstances that are so difficult in you, you can be humble, and you can wait. Wait on the God of the whole universe to do what you can't do, to change what you can't change, to change your heart, to change your mind. In the meantime, pride blocks thankfulness. Self hinders gratefulness. So your question there is, how can I think of myself less? Not think less of myself, but think of myself less. To be humble, to be broken. Because God is a God of love, because God is a God of truth, and that is His character, He keeps His promises, He answers His prayers, He emboldens me, He knows the humble. Your fifth answer here is He protects me in trouble. God protects me in trouble. That's verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You've stretched out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. There's so much of this imagery in the Psalms. Why? Because David was a warrior. David knew about going up against armies that were bigger than him, odds that were stacked against him. And he knew God had provided miraculously in military conquest for him. But think about that first phrase, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Does anybody hearken back to Psalm 23? What does it say there? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That in the midst of a valley, in the midst of the trouble, you preserve my life. When you are in the hardest, most difficult, most challenging, most worrisome conditions of your life, God is with you. And God puts you in the midst in order that you might depend on Him. God allows you to be challenged in order that you might grow in Him. God strengthens you when you're weak. God doesn't give us more than we can handle is a bunch of baloney. God gives us more than we can handle routinely in order to show Himself great in us. Amen? So your question there is what causes fear in me? What causes fear in me? Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. In other words, he was fearful for his life. You stretch out your hands against the anger of my foes. They were not just, oh, we're really going to get you, David. They were angry. With your right hand, you save me. In other words, he was in peril. He had reason for fear. All of us have reason for fear. Some are different than others. But what causes fear in you? Where do you need God to protect you? In the midst of your trouble. In the midst of your fear. So by means of review again. Verse 2 told us that God is loving and faithful. That's His character. And because He is a God of love and faithfulness. Truth. We know He keeps His promises. We know He answers His prayers. We know He emboldens us. We know He humbles or knows the humble. We know He protects us. Your final point this morning, that God works in me. That's in verse 8. 
The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. God works in me. It says in Philippians that it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It says in Proverbs that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. God's purpose, God's plan for you, that can only be sought out when you know him through his word, when you seek him through prayer, God's purpose in you is what's going to be accomplished. The problem is that so often we don't pay attention to God's plan, but we're too caught up in what our plan is. Your question to ask, what is safe in God's hands? If it's God who works in me, what can I trust him with? What can I say? I I, I believe you can do this, God. Martin Luther said, there's three conversions. The conversion of the heart, in which you know that Jesus loves you, and you fall in love at least in the first way, in the first time with Jesus. The conversion of the mind, as you begin to understand the claims of Christ and God and His Word, and the conversion of the purse, your pocketbook. That you trust God enough to say, I believe I can tithe and I believe I can give and my money is safe in your hands. And it might not be money for you. You might have no problem tithing or giving, but maybe you have a problem with a certain person in your life that you're not going to trust God to deal with them. Maybe that certain person is the one who looks at you in the mirror and you think, God, I'm going to pray that you'll change everything else in my life, but don't mess with me, God, because I got me under control. Oh, really? Maybe it's a certain situation in your life that because the personalities involved or the puzzle or the complicated steps and all the pain and all the past and everything that's built up that you don't believe that God can do it. I'm asking you a question. I'm asking me a question. What's safe in God's hands? What do I trust God to do that not only I can't do, but He never intended me to do? Remember, God loves you and God is truth. And because he is love and because he is truth and that is his character, he keeps his promises. He answers our prayers. He emboldens us. He comes to the humble to know them. He protects us in order that he might work in us. That's why we can give thanks. That in all circumstances, we can give thanks. Because that's the God we give thanks to. I will bow toward your holy temple. I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things. Your name and your word. That's our God. And that's why we can give thanks. Let's pray. God, our Father, we're humbled by your word to consider who you are and what you do and how that challenges each and every one of us. We live in the midst of this life and it's messy sometimes and it's broken 
and it hurts. And we've got questions and challenges. And we don't always feel like saying thank you. Much less having a heart of thankfulness. But God, when your word like Psalm 138 reminds us of who you are and how you work, we can be thankful. So, Father, it's my prayer that each and every believer in Jesus here today would have been challenged to be more thankful. No matter their circumstances, that they can be thankful. And they can see your hand at work in their life and they can be thankful. And even if they can't see your hand yet, they trust your heart and they can be thankful. And God, it's our prayer for anyone here today who's not yet a believer in Jesus, that they would commit their life to be a follower of Jesus, to ask forgiveness for their own sins, to believe that Jesus is your son and be a follower of Christ Jesus forever that they'd make that decision known today. And God, maybe there's somebody here today that needs to make the other decision, that needs to say publicly they're going to unite with this church, that needs to say publicly I'm surrendering my life to some sort of ministry or calling. Whatever it is, God, would we obey as we respond now? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.